Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge, the show where we talk about programming for more than 20 minutes. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I am your other host, Daniel Colborn. How are you? And this week we are brought to you by Honey Badger and Backblaze. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Decol, I am well. (laughs) That's great. I was asking the listener. Oh, awkward. Well, they Mm. missed out on our Yellow Card Jam session just now. We just had one. You guys listen to Yellow Card listeners? We started with Ocean Avenue. We both Ocean had Avenue. guitars in our hands. Yep. And then we moved bum, on bum, to bum. Empty Apartment, thinking we were playing the 9-11 song. Which we weren't. Then we played the 9-11 song. Which is called Belief. That's right. And it was great. It was great. It really was. Mm-hmm. So There's Decol... never been a band that was simultaneously as Californian and as Canadian as Yellow Card. <laughs> They've got a very Canadian vibe about them, but also a very Californian vibe about Why them. Why do you say Canadian? I can't explain things. I just, this is the vibe. The lead singer it's a vibe. is pretty pasty white, blonde, yeah. big nose. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's yeah. a Canadian trait. And like, just, he's got a Canadian aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Me. It's true. Yeah. They're like clean but, cut California. Yeah. Well, Ocean Avenue is in LA, right? So, I just um, my parents live on Orchard Avenue. Well, that's so song. <laughs> okay. Um, and where where you're at, most streets go to Canada anyway. So <laughs> all streets lead to Canada. All streets lead into the lake, and if you just sit in it long enough, you'll drift down to Canada. Hopefully. Hopefully, if the tides are right. If the tides are right, and if you survive the fall, yeah. you'll make it there. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Man, if I could find you now. Things things would get better. They'd be better. It would. We could leave this town and float to Canada. Float to Canada, <laughs> where the waves crash down over the falls. Mm-hmm. Well, it was the only time I've been to Niagara Falls. Um, I was walking by a stream uh, to the falls. I don't know if it's like a stream. It's like a tributary to the falls. Mm-hmm. A bunch of water heading in a fallward direction. Goat Island. I don't know. Um, and my my dad told me that a guy went over the falls in a barrel, hmm. and uh, I was just thinking, I bet I could pull that off. <laughs> like, it's not really a skill thing, <laughs> you know? No, it is. You got to tuck and roll. It's all about it's the like, tuck. If you don't get that right, no. it's like if you're at a certain point, it's just about the, it's this about the skill of the cooper. You know, what's a cooper? You got a a cooper is a barrel maker. No way. Yeah. Dude, look at you just whipping that out. Do you know that uh, Coopers are the only people who have to professionally use the word bunghole? <laughs> is that the hole in a barrel? That's correct. So that's, that's the bunghole. Can you imagine having to go to work every day and say bunghole with a straight face? Oh, man, that would be good. Oh, so many good ones. I guess ones podcasters, too. But <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, how embarrassing if you make the bum the, <laughs> the bunghole too. Oh, this is gonna be a good one. This is gonna be a good small. one. <laughs> oh, oh man, I pictured you know jokes. We could go. We could go there. But uh, you could you could go there. Um, we could go there. Do we, we have any questions sort of or any any questions that have been submitted by our, our lovely and loyal listeners? Um, good question. Let me give you an answer. Oh. Yes, the answer is yes. We have 
How many do we have? We have 32 questions submitted. That doesn't seem like the number that's going to get answered in one podcast. I don't know, man. We're usually pretty quick about this sort of thing. Oh, yeah. We we rarely uh, wander onto random unrelated topics. <laughs> I'm sure we'll stay right on track each time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So when we say rabbit hole or rabbit uh-huh. trail, like... Is there some conflation happening there, or is it actually just like equal parts rabbit trail, rabbit? Like, oh, I went off on that. Is it? Bu- it's bunny trail, right? Well, I think a rabbit trail often ends in a rabbit hole. Gotcha. So the trail is like just a the bung entry trail. Point. Like a bung trail. I see. Yeah. A bum trail. <laughs> oh, you. those bum trails. Uh, I I want to tell uh, you something personal. Uh huh. Uh huh. I wore Depends for the first time today whoa <laughs> i did I recreationally <laughs> i had to go uh get a thing so you know the ongoing saga oh right of, you had an you had a doctor experience i had a doctor experience and you have to drink oh so many ounces of barium and it was yep. just going right through me and they're like that's a heavy metal <laughs> i tell you what and uh and then they handed me the scrubs after this like people tolerate this stuff but i apparently do not and they're like uh you know the the nurse like put the scrubs down and then she put a depends on top and said just in case she said you know i'm not sure if you've ever used one but lay your pride aside and just put it on because you know we can't take you off the iv once you're under the machine or whatever and i'm Mm -hmm. like wow this is happening so i did it yeah i did i wore depends and boy was it freeing yeah i just let loose Hmm. that's crazy there was no need for the depends but i had to like i I took it off after she told me like you should keep it on for the day i'm like absolutely not um but i got places to go i roll it up (laughs) like after i get changed out of the scrubs and i'm like walking out like i mean you know i pause for a second i'm like i'm about to walk out with with like a diaper in my hands a rolled up diaper yeah (laughs) Yeah, like where do i put this thing just walk out in the waiting room and like dunk it. it i would have left it well, I felt weird about that. Like, they would think that there's, like, a, sur- a surprise inside. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> oh, speaking of bung holes, let's get into bung. the Q and A. Q and both also A. Number Hit me one. with a Q. All right. Q. Q. What's both of your stories as to how slash when you entered programming, says Andre. Uh, so, I'll start. My dad was a programmer, um, and he knew C. And right around the same time, I became interested in HTML, and someone offered me a free laptop that didn't have a working battery, but if you kept it plugged in, worked. Nice. Um, what version of Windows do you remember? XP. Okay. Um, and my dad was like, you can have this laptop, but you, uh, don't have a license for windows for one reason or another. Like that license belongs to that person. It's non-transferable. So you like, this was a moral code he was imposing on you. Yes. And so funny. So I learned about Linux, and I installed 
Mandri- Mandrake, it was called back then. Hmm. Now it's called Mandriva Linux on this laptop. And uh, my dad was like, oh, you're running Linux. All right. Um, and was like, you you, sh- you have to learn C this summer. This is your new summer project is that you're going to learn C. And you got me a book. And I learned enough C to write like a command line app that was a golf score calculator. Wow. So like you, if you brought like a, a computer with a terminal out on the golf course with you, it would prompt you at each hole to ask what each player got. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but that was his idea and I built it and it worked. So that was like the basics of like logic and ifs and loops and yeah. stuff like that. But then I started making websites and then that was kind of where I learned. It was basically like HTML, CSS, jQuery, PHP, WordPress, yeah, stuff like that. And then here we are. Here we are. Uh, um, but the first code I wrote that was good, I would argue, was in a version of Pascal <laughs> Scar. <laughs> Uh, right. which was a scripting language for a macro program to cheat at RuneScape. So nice that scar for life, bro. Scar for life. It had a little like dump truck mover. Yeah, yeah. little As excavator the... icon. Oh, so yeah, great. such a weird thing, but but boy, boy, oh, and boy. then here we are, all these years later. Little decoy, mm. still writing code, not still automating any games. Code. They're harder to automate now. Not if you're playing old school RuneScape. That's true. That's probably just as easy. Probably to just as easy as ever, which is not that easy. Oh. Um, <clears throat> how about you? How'd you start programming? I so like you have mm-hmm. been like attracted to circuitry since as young as I could possibly remember. Um, and I, but the first like programming, so I always like wanted to pretend that I was programming from like really early childhood. And I remember seeing like a terminal and just like typing in it and thinking, I don't know, being excited that I was programming, but I didn't know anything. Um, my first pro I'm trying to remember. It was kind of like simultaneous Python. Um, I just like downloaded Python. That was cool that you got to skip learning C. (laughs) yeah it was um i don't remember which was first it was either the ti83 calculator basic ti basic or python both around the same time and i downloaded python and just made like an address book and i remember just following the tutorial because you could just you know download an exe that was python and would give you the command line utility and then i could just copy the tutorial and i successfully made an address book which was basically an array like i'm pretty sure i didn't even write a function and I showed my dad and all I put all our addresses in it and phone numbers. And I showed my dad and I was like, so just type in your whoever's name in the family and it'll give you their phone number. And I did it. And he was like floored. And he was on the phone with his best friend and was like, my son just made a program on a computer. And he was so proud of me. Hell and yeah. It was such a cool moment. Um, and that was like seventh grade. And then I got in a TI-83, TI Basic, and uh, I think in high school, like freshman year, and started writing like 
games and stuff on that and got really into that because I could just blow off like math and physics and just program those calculators. And I, I totally would like the entire class was just me on the calculator. Um, yeah. So, and then it was PHP at some point. I remember the question was, well, I had done PHP for some reason. I don't know. I remember I probably talked about this on the show. One time a friend of mine asked, like, he's like, oh, my brother has this idea for a site where you upload music and share it. He's like, would you be able to do something like that? Because I was building sites with HTML and CSS. Mm-hmm. And he's like, would you be able to do that? And I was like, uh, I mean, I think my whole life I've just had this this habit of saying, well, yeah, I could probably figure it out. Um, yeah. But I remember thinking to myself, wait a minute, how do login forms work? Like, that was my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you submit a form? Like, what happens yeah. with that? And wh- it's just where do you HTML. submit it to? Yeah, yeah, I had no concept of anything like that. And that brought me to PHP which brought me to uh, CodeIgniter eventually, then Yi, Yi for a little bit, then CodeIgniter, got deep into CodeIgniter, got a job, then got into Laravel, and then here we are. So there we go. Pascal along the way with so Scar. You didn't do you didn't do the WordPress route at all? Oh, really. um, I don't know. I definitely, I feel like I did. I had WordPress sites. I hosted them. I, I mean, I like hacked on functions.php. <laughs> but gotcha, gotcha. I never but really like. Did you ever get paid to work on a WordPress site? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because that was like the first like five years of my maybe four years, maybe three years. Really? I don't know. The first couple years of my programming career, quote unquote, was like mostly front end ma- making WordPress themes. Okay. Um, for people, for various. So like, I would work with designers. Designers would design a website. And I would turn those PSDs into fully functional WordPress websites. And like often the designers would have ideas for features that these things were going to have that weren't in WordPress. Hmm. So then we would have to like figure out what WordPress plugins we were going to build to make that work. So that was like where I learned PHP. Um, But it's such a bad way to learn PHP. Totally. And WordPress is like harder than CodeIgniter. It's awful. It's one of it's the worst. It's still hard for like anytime I have to do anything in it, it's hard. I'm like, yeah, what? How do you? Because there's a hundred different imagine, things to hook into. Yeah, that's what it is. It, the and a hundred different ways thing, to hook into them. The whole thing is like React lifecycle hooks. Right. Yeah. And it's so rough. They're like you just have to understand the loop, and that's it. Yeah. And and that's I, not I true. First of all, me. first of all, that's not true. You don't need to just understand the loop. There's, you also have to understand everything else. <laughs> yeah, right. Everything else. Man, I hate um, WordPress so much. It's so bad. Oh, I hate it so I, much. I worked on uh, definitely one of the biggest WordPress multi-sites in the world. Facebook? For a while. No, it's not a WordPress multi-site. I thought Facebook was the entire thing was a WordPress. Facebook was no. built on WordPress. No. <laughs> I, I play. Um... But no, it was very big, but it was a Grails app. Don't know what uh, that is. Grails is uh, Groovy Rails. So it's it's like a Java JRE um, MVC framework. Okay. So it was a Grails app that I only touched to like make small edits. Yep. Wrapping around several WordPress multi-sites. Uh and it worked out to be like hundreds of individual WordPress blogs in this network. Uh, 
and they had like so much custom ad code and all of this craziness. So I spent most of a year or two just working on like ad plugins for this giant WordPress multi-site. Nice. It was so bad. Nice. So glad I don't do that anymore. Sounds fun, Decol. Oh yeah. Um, what's next? Have who you else? considered Ruby on Rails? Says Wait, are Andre. we shouting out the people who asked the questions? If I they put their name. I already said Andre oh. for the last one. Andre for the last one. Andre for this one as well. We got three Andres Ooh. in a row. Same Andre or multiple Andres? Um, it could be multiple, but they m- spell their first name the exact same way, and they hmm. write it the same way. So We'll call them Andre 1, Andre 2, and Andre 3. Are you sorting these alphabetically by author name? No. We, I didn't okay. collect an author because I wanted people to be free to ask questions that they wouldn't. Gotcha. Yeah. So Andre asks, have you considered Ruby on Rails? Yes. I don't know. Kind of. Yeah. I've considered it. So I guess. Like I consider the Sparrow, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you've sat in a rocking chair on the porch considering <laughs> Ruby on Rails. I've, I've pondered it. <laughs> it's a ponderous topic. Um, have we? Have you considered Ruby on Rails? I mean, I think I've gone in different phases of thinking, man, if only I was a Rails developer. And most of that was has been driven by my distaste for basically because PHP doesn't have primitive objects, like a string object. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's honestly what most of it boils down to. But the whole Ruby philosophy, I don't know. And I did actually work on a Rails app for a short while. and uh, But I'm no good in Ruby. And I've considered it, yes, but I'm way too far. I'm way too far invested in the Laravel right now and laravel is phenomenal and the little bit of ruby on rails work i've done doesn't have the uh, polish that laravel does so i haven't felt like a draw to it um sure but i actually i think my first mvc experience was ruby on rails with the team treehouse like rails course or something rails for zombies rails for zombies well was that team treehouse uh, that was or maybe code academy yeah it was one of those but i, I probably did them all and got yep. tiny bit far, but it's so intangible. I learned nothing and threw it away and like any course yep. ever for me. Same. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I'm kind of at a loss for what this question's exactly asking. Cause it feels like the real question is have you considered switching away from Laravel to Ruby on Rails? Yeah, so answer that. Not really. <laughs> um I mean, I've considered, like, what would the world look like if I did that? Yeah, right. But, like, to do that, I would either have to start writing so much Rails code that I became a good Rails developer and then go get a Rails job. Yeah. Or, like, convince someone to hire me as a freelancer on a Rails project or something. Or I would have to, like, go basically take a pay cut to be a junior rails developer somewhere until i got good at rails yeah yeah i mean that would be and it's like and then i would i don't know anyone in the rails community either like i know so many people in the laravel world where it's like i would just like i like it here i would it would have to be a much more dramatic change than laravel to rails for me to like start over like that yep like i could maybe see doing it for like phoenix or something yeah you know, if it was like something that hot where I was like, ooh, 
you know right and it was different or even maybe that... become going in like going and just becoming like a full stack javascript developer that would be that seems more likely to me than going and becoming a rails developer not because i don't like rails just because it wouldn't be really be a shift in what i do yeah at all it would just be i would just be throwing away any advantages i have <laughs> yep it's true i feel the exact same way and outside of just the practical ways that it just makes zero sense um i think like i probably said this before but i like i don't know anything as good as i know laravel and laravel to me feels like something that you can know but something you can also be good at so it's like a skill and knowledge and i feel like i have the highest skill in laravel of anything in my life maybe Mm -hmm. um i put more time into it than probably anything and it feels really good to be at that level with something and really like sharpen the knife, you know? Yeah. Like, and then to just go be like a novice Rails developer yeah. seems like would be oh, that would be fun miserable. in its own way, but like yeah. I would lose out on the, the general life experience of yeah. of like really being able to to do something at a high level, which takes right. so long to get to that point, you know? Right. But uh so it's I wouldn't want to just throw that away. For sure. Word up. Let's see the next Word question here. Word up. Is it worth working at Titan? Also, Ooh. Andre. <laughs> Ooh, spicy. Depends who uh, you ask. It uh, depends on your goals. We, okay. I thought I might have just accidentally closed QuickTime. We're good. But you didn't? I didn't. Okay. Continue. Whew. Good to still have you here. Depends yeah. on your goals. Yeah. <laughs> is it worth well, working mean, at titan decal yeah i mean it's a great place to work is it worth all the money they give you yeah it's a job <laughs> you get a paycheck you're not uh you know you're not getting like facebook money you could yeah. go be a php developer at facebook and make ungodly amounts of money you could make more money plenty of other places yeah um anywhere in california basically yeah um but it really depends on your goals right if you want to learn laravel at a high level get connected to that community tightly um and be like if you if you want to invest in being like a laravel community laravel developer titan will make you one if you want it um if you don't want it you can just be a programmer who shows up at laricon you know yep (laughs) um that's it and there are other i mean there's other reasons to work there right if you cannot abide overtime titan's a place where you don't really need to abide overtime um generally speaking uh if you you know there's there are good benefits you know within the within the range of what people would call good benefits right and there's all the nice sort of add-on bonuses like uh student loan assistance and stuff like that where you know i think for for a lot of people like it's it's a company that acts like it cares about you uh it's a company that puts in some of the uh 
some of the indicators of caring about you, you know, like of not making you work overtime and about like not encouraging you to work even though you're sick. And, you know, all of this, it's a pretty non-toxic environment to work in, right? Now, obviously, it's still a job and you still have a boss and there's still other people and there's personalities. And you're going to have to deal with all of that shit. Um, but, like, I think if your goals are to be a person like look at look at the people who work at titan who aren't like the owners of titan right but like look at me and john bond and sarah bine and logan and centoria all the people you see publicly talking you know look at all those people look at what they're doing look at how much stuff they're doing that if you want to do exactly what we do you yeah then it's great you know if you want to do something crazy, uh, it might not be the spot for you. You know, if you want to make two hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year, it's not the spot for you. You know, there's so I don't know. What do you think, Caleb? You have worked at Titan, and I and don't work at Titan right now, and, and they don't own this podcast, th- so I can say whatever I want to say. That's true. I can say all the things you're not saying. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Maybe I'm totally joking. <laughs> Um, I agree with everything you said, I think. Uh-huh. So is it worth working at Titan? Uh, obviously the question of, is it worth working at Titan depends on if you're working at Titan, like I-, I could pick apart the wording of it, but we know what, yeah. what he means. Um, is it worth working at Titan? It, uh, yeah, right. Pay, not, not amazing, not, not exemplary pay. Um, I would say standard to, I would say standard, standard maybe in the high end of standard. Um, but definitely not like, I'm just going to say standard actually. Would you agree with that? Like standard rates, standard Laravel. Yeah. So it's not a place that you go to make a bunch of money. Um, and benefit wise, it's also not incredible. It's good. And there are nice little benefits that like they've added since I've been there, like the, um, health, well, the, the loan repayment stuff, which doesn't affect me. Health stipend was awesome. Just like they throw money at you every month and you do whatever you want with it. Um, health wise, whatever you deem best for your health. Um, nice, like Christmas gifts. Love those Christmas bonus. Love that. Um, so definitely like decent benefits. The only complaint of mine would be healthcare. Um, I think it, when I like applied, it seemed the way they repped it was that it was, I thought based on like a blog post they wrote or something was that they provided full health coverage. Um, but it's only like half. So it's something to know. Um, and to, to be clear, they don't, you don't mean full health coverage. Like they cover all of your expenses. Cause that's what uh Basecamp does. Oh, really? Holy crap. That's freaking crazy. In addition to paying for all of your health insurance, also pays all of your copays, all of your prescriptions. Get out of and my face. Any any health expense that, <laughs> that you is have. Ludicrous. You forward the invoice to someone at Basecamp and it gets paid. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's freaking amazing. So I would say that Titan practically like money-wise and benefits-wise is good. It's a good place to work. It's not yeah. exceptional. It's it's well, very good. And I don't think it's particularly well suited as a like the traditional programming career, I don't think Titan makes a lot of sense. Um, if your goal is to 
every move you make, make $20,000 more than you made the previous job, right? And like ladder climb, ladder climb, like... Yeah, they're not in that game. Because that's what I see a lot of people doing, right? They're it's just not, like... Yeah, that's not the game they play. Well, it's not... A, it's not the game they play. B, it's not... Uh, like, to be good enough to get hired at Titan, you kind of have to have already had a job or two. Um, and you're basically usually making a lateral or slightly upward move in salary. Um, when I moved from uh, where I was before to Titan, I think I got a 5000 maybe $4,000 a year raise, um, which was still a raise, but was not... Uh, you know, there were other companies I was talking to where I probably could have gone and made more money and worked overtime. Yeah. You know? So if your goal is to maximize profit and get to the point where you can be tech management at uh, either a large startup or a big corporation in the next 10 years, right? If you want to be like 38 years old and managing a bunch of developers and being like a you know sort of I think of a it's non- totally I I mean I would disagree. I think it's it's totally a place in a programming career, you know? You could go to Titan, you could work there and do hard work. You could climb the ranks in Titan or you could leave and be better yeah, somewhere else sure. and make more money. It's just it's a part of a career. I guess like my my biggest point is Titan worth it? My biggest warning that I've voiced publicly before is don't think Titan is some holy mecca of Laravel programming or anything like that. It's kick-ass in very specific ways and is mm-hmm. way better than a lot of other jobs in the sense mm-hmm. of uh, in the Laravel-ness of it, it being mm-hmm. so tightly integrated with Laravel. That's awesome. And so just f- having other people who care about Laravel. Yes, who are also Laravel, Laravel people. Laravel nerds, yeah. Um, but there are people at at Titan who aren't Laravel nerds. Uh, it's okay to work at Titan and not be a Laravel nerd. Um, but basically, I would say if you put Matt on a pedestal, if you think Titan is the bee's knees and is someplace without problems, and that is not true. I had plenty of problems at Titan, just like I have at any. Hold on, decal. You're jumping down my neck. <laughs> You're ready to go. You're like, he's. I was going to add on to your point. Okay, add on to it. Sorry. I was going to say also, if you've seen, like, oh, Adam Wathen worked at Titan, and then now he's Adam Wathen, and then Caleb Porzio worked at Titan, and now he's Caleb Porzio. Like, I could go work at Titan and then just, like, be instantly launched into a career of speaking at Laracon and, you know, being a. Right. Matt, if you Matt will hate you for that. <laughs> like you will you will come in and you will not have a good time because you will think that, oh, Titan's a stepping stone. It's time to come in and get famous. And that is not Titan does not want that for you. Titan yeah. Titan has other things in mind than it like helping you become famous for free for fun. Um so that is not the case of course there's a natural thing that happens when you work closely with people who are already laravel famous um but so the good totally good point basically don't have expectations that it's some crazy place there's normal normal things it may seem like titan is like a kingmaker company or something but 
in reality, it's a company and like most of the company is just doing work. Yep. You know, and right. Most of the company do, is we doing do work. fun stuff and open source and blogging and speaking at conferences and podcasts. We do all that stuff too, but like 80% of your week, literally by, by the clock is like fixing bugs with Stripe authentication, and, <laughs> you know, stupid stuff. Yeah. And maybe being, you know, they're, they're still context switching in Titan. They're still working on this legacy code. There's all sorts of stuff that is just normal developer work. It's not yep. all um, fun and games. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a programming job. And now, to be fair, if I was going to be doing what I'm doing now, if I was going to be in an agency context working on other people's code, I wouldn't want to be at any other agency. Like, for me, it's like this is the only good agency I've worked at, and I've worked at three now. Yeah. Um, like, other agencies didn't have the thoughtfulness or mindfulness about work environment that Titan does. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people can't hang the agency thing. Like, it's a weird way of working. And if you're not good at that, you're not going to have a good time. And it's fully remote. And that is a con. Um, that, or a pro. Or a pro. It's been, I mean, it's a tangible pro, like, for lifestyle reasons but uh it's it's a remote place to work so there's lots of there's lots of overhead in having to communicate properly over the internet um yeah yeah so those are the things uh and then the other thing that i didn't expect going there the cult like i didn't fit in culture wise i felt like i didn't like for the longest time i felt like i don't belong here (laughs) i really did because there's a lot of people who are very smart and there's a cer- there's a certain center of gravity that's very smart and critical. So like in the chats, like something that you might not, that I personally would just be like, oh yeah, this is fine. There would be like a really, uh, really high level debate about, and that sort of thing happens. Analyzed. Yeah. analyzed like crazy. And I'm an analyzer, um, but I definitely felt for a while and actually when i like pop back in the chats and i see some of that dialogue it brings me back like oh yeah like i don't really i'm not involved in those conversations as much anymore where something you know is released on twitter or something and then there's lots of conversation poking at it from every angle and i think for some people that's really great um i love and hate that so i think there's a there's a culture there that um certain uh like personality types like me um in some ways, because I actually felt you integrated. St- you struggled more with the uh, communication stuff than most people do, I think. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So to me, like that all just feels incredibly natural. And so like while I hear you when you tell me like that you're struggling with it, I hear and understand what you're saying. Uh, I don't r- tend to experience the communication problems as much. For sure. Except... Like, I can sometimes not communicate things, but that's more just because I go to space sometimes. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. No doubt. Great place to work. Don't put it on a pedestal. That's my my spiel. It's a great place, which, as all things, should be taken for what it is. Yep. And not for what it's not. If you think it's a mecca, it will disappoint you. If you think it's a programming job, it will exceed your expectations. Swag. Hey, Caleb, you want to talk about uh, some sponsors? Hit me. Hit 
you, Caleb. We, this podcast is brought to you by Honey Badger. How's Honey Badger, Caleb? Honey Badger's good. Um, Honey Badger's great. I'm excited because I'm going to be launching Livewire Fiddle at some point. I don't know when. But when yep. I do, I will be relying on Honey Badger to report back to me on all the live happenings of an app. So I continue to think that it's a great application and it's a uh, nice, neat, tidy, small team, people who care, constantly updated, good blog, good change log, good UI, uses TurboLinks, does everything you need. What more do you need? You got your breadcrumbs, you got your view integration, you got everything. So Caleb, uh, if I'm just hearing about Honey Badger for the first time, what is Honey Badger? Honey Badger. Honey Badger is an app. It's a bug trapping app. Like this is the part where I want to say the competitors and then like bleep out half of the word or something. Um, uh-huh. It's a bug tra- tracking app. So to install Honey Badger in your app, you drop two lines of code in your server in your exception handler, and they tell you exactly where to do it. And then I think you run a command, and then it links everything up. And now anytime an error is hit in your production code or locally, it will get logged on Honey Badger. You can look at the user who hit the error, where they came from, the full stack trace, lots of details about the error. Um, it does lots of cool integrations with GitHub. So you can create issues when an error gets hit. You can resolve issues when the error is fixed and merged. Um, it integrates with Forge, deployment tracking, all sorts of good stuff. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's super cool, and you should check it out. It's honeybadger.io. Bam. We are also brought to you by by a backblaze. 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 What is backblaze? Uh, backblaze. I'll tell you. Uh, backblaze is a cloud backup solution. So you install it on your computer, you set a schedule. And uh, now your computer is backed up and you just stop thinking about it. That is it. Um, that is the sell for Backblaze. You install it and that's it. And you pay them, what, $6 a month? $6 a month, which is like a an amount of money that is, not you won't money. notice having or not having it. <laughs> you know? Like, yep. Having $6 a month literally doesn't change your life. Um, so you pay them $6 a month, but having Backblaze does change your life because... Your backups happen automatically. They stay out of out of your way. They don't use like a ton of CPU or anything, or and they're really smart about their network usage, so they're not like clogging up your network super hard. It's pretty chill. Um, and then you can access that data from other places. So even like even if you're not using it like in a catastrophic drive failure situation, sometimes you're just out of town and you don't have your computer with you. And you need to access a file. You can just go on Backblaze and grab it. No way. Yeah, dude, I'm learning so, all anyway, sorts of stuff. With if you don't have Backblaze, here. if you don't have Backblaze and you do use computers for anything mildly important, you're insane. So go to Backblaze.com. B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E.com forward slash NPTM. That's no plans to merge, and that will tell them that you came from here and. They will probably keep sponsoring us if you go do that. That would be so great. Do go to backblaze.com slash NPTM. As soon as I got hired at Titan, it's well, at some point somebody was like, hey, is everybody on a backup solution? I'm like, oh, I don't actually know. Whatever. They're like, everybody go sign up at Backblaze and send us the invoice. Um, so, so I yeah. did. And it's, so, it's the Titan recommendation. 
and I've loved it ever since, and I still and, highly recommend it. Yeah, so if you are at a company, you should sign everyone up for Backblaze using our URL. Under NPTM, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, that's great. Awesome. All right, back to the cues. Cool. Thank you, sponsors. Um, is If a tomato is a fruit, does mm-hmm. that mean ketchup is a smoothie? Yes. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, have you? Fi- they thought they were gonna. They thought they were gonna trip us up with that, but no. But we we both know it's easy. <laughs> yeah, we're of one accord. Have you finally figured out how sessions work? Um, not really. Have you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, one it, we talked about how Michael Dorinda session driver schooled yeah. us. Uh-huh. Um, on Telegram, but uh, for Laravel, but I haven't really. I've heard how sessions work, but I haven't actually done anything that required that knowledge yet. Yeah. So I haven't tested that I really know it. Basically, the final piece of the Livewire puzzle that I'm building relies on sessions. So I had to like go Thank deep God. into sessions. And they're right. It has nothing to do with PHP sessions. It's a totally separate thing. The default is a file driver. And every person who is using your app, if they're using the file driver... There's literally a file that is created in your bootstrap slash, uh, sorry, storage slash framework slash sessions, maybe. Um, And I think it might even be like the CSRF token is the file name of that person. I think maybe. Um, And it just stores session data about them. And that's that. So sessions work with files. And when a file is, uh, when a session is over, like if you are using a Laravel app, you close your laptop and you walk away. Actually, you get hit by a bus and your laptop sits there in the rain. How right. does the server know when to release your session file? There's a session lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like default 120 minutes, two hours. Since the last time that session was seen? Yeah. So the session lifetime is 120 minutes. But do you set a cron job in every Laravel app to make sure that it like cleans up all the old sessions that aren't used? No, you don't. Does it check on every single request if a session's ready to be killed? No, it doesn't. There's a lottery built in. I think this is cool. Like in the config file for sessions, you can use, it's like Taylor making a tuple. It's an array with two values. And it's uh-huh. like like one out of a hundred. So you like, you set the session lottery, which is like one out of every hundred requests, garbage collect sessions. Randomly oh, hit cool. every hundredth request and tax it with garbage collection. So that's cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah. That's a pattern that we should use for more things. I agree. Like, how many cron jobs do you think you could eliminate from your life by just taxing one out of every hundred requests with that work? Right. I know. Just every hundredth person will be like, oh, this app's a Dude, that should be low. a schedule driver. Interesting. That would be cool. <laughs> that would get icky Yo. because you might just totally like hang up somebody's you know if it's like any job that takes longer than no no no, no. Like well half you would a second you would queue the job still oh okay so then why but is that the just cron to job, add like chaos the cron the... job would just be like the command that queues jobs right yeah yeah so you could just stick that work in your commands and schedule those commands um so yeah, you would still want to be smart about how much work you're putting in commands versus jobs. Yeah. Um, but I think that'd be really cool. Just like 
distribute the triggering like a, a zero process zero running process scheduler yeah that's cool yeah that's hot i dig it so, so that's how sessions work um sessions are i believe they are when you store data inside a session mm-hmm. it's stored in this file and every time the user every time the lap the app makes a life cycle that data gets like loaded into the session class or session manager or whatever and then you can mm-hmm. access data out of it. So that's something that I thought was interesting, that it's not an on-demand type thing. If there's data in the session, it's loaded into PHP memory every single time. It's not just kept in a file until you need it. Yeah. So for whatever that's worth. Um, so there you go. Ba-ba-ba. Oh, there's also cookie sessions. So if you change like file to cookie, it will store all the session data inside a cookie, but that can get bloated uh, pretty quickly. And you can store it in the database in Redis as well, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's other drivers for sure. Um, um, can we, before the next queue, can I take a quick aside? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been thinking about, uh, our live wire, uh, hypercharged yeah. mode right. where everything is prefetched. Yep. I don't think, I don't think you can do it. Why? Yeah. Because think about all the eloquent, think about all the database requests. Mm-hmm. If it's a database. That's the thing driven thing yes i didn't even think about the database and then i was like wait a second imagine an app that like has a bunch of stuff going on like you might accidentally trigger like 50 database requests yeah yeah it's definitely (laughs) true and i'm not personally motivated to implement the hardcore mode but what i am personally motivated to do is prefetch but eager prefetch or whatever i don't know how to name it but where like it's always prefetched like you, yeah. so you, that you can like one at a time, basically make One's sure that, that whatever specific thing you want to be prefetched is always prefetched. So hot. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. It. It's in there now. It's in there. It's totally oh, yeah, in live wire. Tweet. Yeah. Um, bum, 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 All right. Next cue. Have you finally, how do you guys deal with imposter syndrome? I don't know how to answer this question anymore. You're about to say this effing question. Yeah, I guess I can say that on this podcast now. I'm not going to stop you. But, well, just, we we can all imagine. Um, I don't know, man. Okay, listen, imposter syndrome, it's it's very real, et cetera, et cetera. But, but, I think it's wrapped up in like a whole other thing too. You know, I think imposter syndrome is too vague and general of a phrase. Yeah, for sure. To really address anything useful. Yeah. Like, because here's the thing, the, the, like the canonical description of imposter syndrome is like, I just feel like I'm not good at stuff, even though like I am good at stuff, (laughs) you know? But here's the thing. You're not always good at stuff. And that's the real thing. The real question is how do you accurately know what you're good at and what you're not good at? Right? Yep. Yeah. Because, like, I think there is, you can go strong in the wrong direction with this imposter syndrome stuff. <laughs> where you're like, Oh, I'm good at everything because if I feel like I'm not good at something, it must be imposter syndrome. Right, yeah. No. But actually, you could just be shitty at things sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. You could just be bad and at like, something and it's good to know that. 
Yeah, and and that's the thing is like I feel like I have actually gone down that road where I was like, it's imposter syndrome. Yeah, and then I'm like, wait, wait, no, 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 I'm terrible. No, I'm this. just a bad programmer. <laughs> um, and like, so <laughs> my thing with imposter syndrome is like this. First, you have to just develop uh, a love for yourself, right? Yeah. Like, you have to develop a self-acceptance and a self-love that is not contingent on your skills, you know? Like, you have to be able to critically look at your own abilities and say, I'm either good or bad at this thing without making that about whether you are have inherent value or not right and like the thing i don't like about the imposter syndrome message is like you know you think that you're not good at things but you actually are good at things and so you are a worthwhile person but i don't think it's the being good at things that makes you the worthwhile person to begin with right like people the the bad side of what imposter syndrome is supposed to be right is that like I feel like I'm not good at JavaScript, and because of that, I feel like I'm not a good person, right? And then the message is, oh, no, you have misjudged how good you are at JavaScript. But it doesn't address the fact that, like, you tied your self-worth to how good you were at JavaScript, you know? And uh, so I would say, like, if you've got imposter syndrome, it's probably an indication that your self-worth is too tied to your skills. I don't know. Um, I think you're right. I think that that's definitely one. I think you're right in saying that imposter syndrome is a blanket term and covers a bunch of things. I think one of the things people mean by it sometimes is what you're referring to. I think there's still other things that people are referring to. What are the other things? I think there's, I think the, the most popular one is... I everybody thinks I'm better at programming than I actually am and that uh-huh. if they find out I will I'm I've oversold myself I've overstated myself they will find yes. out and I will be fired or I will be um looked down upon in some way you know uh-huh. I think that's like your run of the mill imposter syndrome right yeah and I think that can exist without having anything to do with how you relate it to your self-worth per se okay you know fair enough yeah, I don't know what to do about that. Like I mean, that one, I feel. Go ahead. Th- there's like a there's like an intellectual honesty aspect of that too, which is like, like do and maybe not every work environment is as healthy as I guess Titan is, where like you can go to your boss and be like, I feel like I'm not very good at this right now, you know? Yeah. Um, but like to me, it's like you just get that out on Front Street, you know? Like, and then if you're wrong, you'll find out you're wrong. If you're right, you'll find out you're right. And then you'll improve. But like keeping all of that internal is not helping anyone. And playing small isn't helping anyone. Yeah. Yep. I think there, uh, to restate a point you made earlier, I think there is some amount of people who are talking about imposter syndrome and really they're hearing everybody say that everybody suffers from imposter syndrome and they're new to programming and they think it's really hard and they think that they suffer from imposter syndrome. Um, but they're bad at programming cause they're new to programming and they, you know, so 
it's a little bit different, but I, I guess like my, I, I think about this a fair amount and I think I, I think I don't, I don't really deal with imposter syndrome terribly. So this is one that, um, maybe I'm the best or worst person to talk about, but I think some of the things that I do to combat it sometimes subconsciously, sometimes consciously is I think about every, every move I've made in programming, like every, in my career, like every time I've leveled up over the whole span of it, I've never felt like I've made it or that I'm the smartest person around or I'm the best, anything like yep. that. I've never felt that way. And I have to believe that I owe, that I will never stop feeling that way. And I will always feel a little bit, I will always compare and feel inadequate to certain people. Um, so I recognize that and think, well, this is just a symptom that just exists. I will always be comparing to the best people and I will always feel inadequate and that will always happen. Um, like you said, intellectual honesty, I think that's another big one is like, I try to be honest about the things I don't know and just, just be honest. And that, that is a risk because there will be, um, so even on this podcast, this is kind of a funny thing we're talking about it. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Cause I yeah. sent it to you. You didn't respond to me though. Um, but I, that tweet, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so this is interesting because uh, somebody tweeted and no plans to merge and they were I truly believe the person who wrote this tweet did it all I in think fun they were joking and was yeah. either jo- I don't think they thought anything of this like I yeah. don't think they're a bad person truly right but I could tell I saw the tweet before you sent it to me okay and I was like that's gonna hurt Kayla's feelings a little bit yeah for sure um, yeah. so I read it and my feelings were hurt a little bit and so I thought you know I, I sit back and I'm like wait a minute, like, I, I really don't get hurt that much on Twitter, except for when Robert Preston takes dumps on things, <laughs> like, appearing to, like, target me, and uh-huh. when, uh, which is funny, because, like, even just yesterday, somebody went on some rant about how I'm, like, totally wrong about something or whatever, and it doesn't even matter to me. I'm like, I don't yeah. even care about what you're yeah. saying at all. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I'll even respond to you and engage in this, and it's not even raising my heart rate one beat per minute but Uh this you know actually probably uh well-intentioned listener said and the tweet was like in such a way where it was like clear that he like listens to multiple episodes of the show yeah right it was he probably like enjoys us yeah exactly enjoys the show yep and it's like ooh, this guy like gets me in a way that is yeah that's right it's hurtful exactly because it so i think the i don't we don't have to pull up the exact tweet but basically the gist is like like uh what was it It was like oh and the guy who the guy who's who's uh averse to pair programming uh doesn't even didn't even know what metasploit was and has gaping holes in his has gaping security holes in his his app or something like that so i read this tweet and i thought you know all sorts of things i thought these are the kinds of things that do contribute to imposter syndrome that make people want to hide that make people not want to speak about the things they're actively working on learning or are they afraid to say like you say like oh have you heard of metasploit and so Mm -hmm. like the actual god's honest truth is i've heard the word metasploit i've heard of Mm -hmm. that concept i could in somewhat good conscience say yeah yeah and then put the clues together and whatever but in mm-hmm. all honesty, I don't know. And you know what it means. So I said, no, no, no. You know? And then you told me mm-hmm. what Metasploit was. And so here I am being like publicly shamed because I don't know Metasploit. You know, like, oh, you right. don't even know okay. Metasploit? So, like, 
let's uh let's back off and uh give the the tweet writer his due here which is this is a podcast where we like give each other shit constantly right like yeah for sure we we like bust balls we yeah you know, right, we don't right. let anyone get away with anything here yeah you know um and so i can totally see in the spirit of the show which is like calling Just each other on the out conversation. and making fun of each other exactly, and yeah. all of that stuff i can totally see this listener was just like oh i'm getting it on that yep um i agree and that i'm sure it was done in love and i'm sure it was not intended to make you feel bad i but, agree that's why i didn't say anything because i really think that it was well-intentioned and right that, and that's the and thing that he exactly and like, what you said yeah well said and we've been on the internet long enough to realize that like sometimes people are just well-intentioned you know, and like that, it doesn't, it doesn't always read well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I think um, one of the things I maybe the reason I'm I'm so strongly I'm confident that he means well, is that I do stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I do this all the time. I feel like I'm always like saying something the wrong way or saying something that somebody took the wrong. You know, virtually, like text wise. Yep. Like a titan. That's half my career. A titan is like pissing people off with with uh not thought through like yeah, yeah. argumentative uh <laughs> yeah um so yeah so i guess the moral of the story with that one is uh is that it's i i felt that imposter syndrome in that moment of like should yeah. i should i have not revealed like in that moment i picture everybody who's listening is like a real developer and they are yeah. they know devops they know like they know stuff and they're like, oh, this is security 101. Like, come on, man. They're like, this is, you don't know what Metasploit is? Like, and you're averse yeah. to pair, and you're averse to pair programming, which again, I'm like, oh, did I overstate my aversion to pair programming? I love pair programming. Do I need to remind? No, but, and that's the that, thing with this show is like, I take one position, you take the opposite position and we fight. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it looks like you're like anti-pair programming <laughs> yeah, guy. Right. Um, but really, it's just like, you know, I was taking the hard position that pairing is always better than not pairing. And yep. you were you were being my foil. Yeah. Um, so all of that to say imposter syndrome is real sometimes for me. And that was a moment. And all and I reminded myself that I really believe that I am the average developer, like for better or for worse. Like that may be overstating. You're definitely. I'm telling you now that you're not. You're better than most people. I appreciate um, that. But in my brain, I picture what I like for my own whatever. I'm confident that other people listening to me talk about programming, they're thinking that's my experience. <laughs> yeah. I at least think that way. I so this maybe this is this is the mystical imposter syndrome that I don't believe in or whatever. But um I would. I think that you are better than most programmers, and I feel like I am the average developer. <laughs> like, because you have a you have a certain type of creative quick wittedness with code that I struggle with. Like, that I can come up with like an interesting, fun, creative solution to something, but like it doesn't it doesn't like inhabit my every code. Hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... And whereas you feel... It, when I see... When I look at code you've written or something, it's like, oh, yeah, like, Caleb lives in this place that I achieve sometimes hmm. of, like, 
trying to be creative all the time, trying to find the most interesting, best solution, even if it's not the default one. Interesting. Whereas well, my thing is like, I just get shit done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I I think my response to that without feigning humility would be like, uh, well, one, you should look at the JavaScript portion of LiveWire. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is Caleb getting stuff done. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, definitely not my my strongest uh, language and my brightest moment. Um, cool. But, uh, and other parts of LiveWire for sure. But, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, but, uh, um, I also get stuff done. Oh, but I have like, so I think there are some strengths in that area for me, but I don't have great habits. So sometimes like if you look at Livewire Fiddle, you'll be like, oh, this dude's getting stuff done. <laughs> there's zero, yeah. zero tests written for Livewire Fiddle. Zero. Awesome. Um, there's lots of like strung together things. There's no authorization on like editing a fiddle. Like somebody actually private messaged me because they found the URL and they're like, uh, so you know that you can, you know, and they're right. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, I don't have amazing habits. I know lots of developers with better habits than me. And uh-huh. there's other things like I also, when I see somebody like, write Like, um, like a debouncer or a Dom uh-huh. crawler or anything with recursion and do it really well. And like succinctly, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. My brain is like not capable of thinking in those terms. Um, so anyway, I'm saying that to to bring it back home that I'm not uh that I don't I don't feel necessarily You're not like, a yeah. god. Yeah. You're not a god among men. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just uh yeah. But point point being that yeah, imposter syndrome I think is both real and not real and my advice would be or I guess not advice, but how do I deal with it is to remind myself that everybody deals with it. And be super honest all the time, even if people tweet at you and make you feel bad about yourself. Just keep being honest about everything you don't know, because eventually that pool will shrink for a certain set of things. And you'll have arrived there honestly. Yeah. And my thing, my advice would be figure out if if you lost your job and lost all your money and lost your house and had to live in a rented room above a garage with an old married couple, would you be okay? And if the answer to that is no, then your imposter syndrome will not be solved by anything except for (laughs) being okay. Nice. Very good, D. Cole. Um, All right. Two devs walk into into a debug bar, order a couple of morning margaritas, and get into a conflict. How does one resolve said conflict? Merge for me. Morning margaritas. That is that is a dangerous game right before That's... handling merge conflicts. That's true. Woo. Woo. <laughs> yep. Yep. What does your average day look like? What time do you get up and what do you do for lunch? I get up late. Uh I start late, I end late. I basically work like mountain time hours yep from the east coast uh like i work as though i lived in colorado although i live in north carolina um i get up late i start late probably 11 is my normal start time um i usually do lunch around 1 30 or 2 um 
And yeah, uh, in the morning, I honestly just, and it's like my morning, you know, before two o'clock is my morning. Um, but in the morning I try to accomplish something and get my afternoon really well planned. Nice. Uh, and then I come back, like, this is actually a Dan Sheets hot, hot tip. Oh boy. Do the easiest thing first thing in the morning. Nice. Even if it's insanely stupid. And not going to help anyone. And there's more important things you could be spending your time on. Just get an easy one done as fast as possible. Because it gets you in the mode of doing things. And it, uh, you've already done something today. Hmm. You know? It's like it gets your momentum going for like yeah, finishing cool. things. So I try and do that. I try and do something dumb. Close a bug. Or, you know, figure out why that email didn't send. Or... You know, oh, this image is broken. Those types of things, you know. Yeah. Um, handle the the little stuff. And then I uh, try and make sure that I know what the rest of my day looks like. If there's a task that I think can fit before lunch, I do it. If not, I will usually go to lunch a little early so that I can have a larger uninterrupted time after lunch. Um, then when I come back from lunch, that's where I do the bulk of my worky work. So I'll usually have like a five to six hour uninterrupted span uh, after lunch where it pops off. Yeah. Um, so that is where I do big blocks of stuff. I try and pair. I try so hard to get people to pair with me. Um, when I have people on the project with me who are like, with the same goals as me, we can pair. Yeah. And it's amazing. I can accomplish more in an afternoon than people accomplish in a week when I'm in like a great place and I've had a good lunch and I'm pairing with someone smart and we're just nailing, nailing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Get so much done. Sometimes I can't get anyone to pair with me and I'm on a hard project and I get very little done in the afternoon. So that's kind of my basic structure of my day and right. i get done around seven so that's my life Sweet. how about you what's your day look like these days uh it's funny i i worked really hard to like get out of the shackles of nine to five um that was one of the big only to work motivations to, to get yourself out of full-time employment and only to work nine to five in all honesty i pretty much start my day at nine and i end my day at five these days <laughs> I, I've been putting in some extra hours, but yeah, right. So I try to remind myself that I'm a free man and can d go do whatever I want. But honestly, it's like the same things. I will say that I take more breaks than I did at Titan because I'm not guilty at all about them. Yeah. And so I just take like breaks and I played Minecraft for an hour before we got on this call. Sick. Uh, and that was not an issue at all. I had like a rough morning with this gastroenterology stuff and was like, I'm just going to play yeah. Minecraft. You earned it. Yeah. That's why I messaged you like, yo, I'm not in any rush really. So just like hit me up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, like I get up at like between eight and nine, really my default, like body will wake up at eight 30. I will start typing at nine and I will have, Oh, so I make like eggs, bacon, let's and talk potatoes. about your eight 30 to nine period. <laughs> okay. It's rough. I'm not a good waker-upper. Hannah's up and at him at like 7. 
just wakes up, gets up, ready to go. Hard, hard for me. Our circadian rhythms are not in sync. And if anyone knows that about life, it's you. Charlotte is the most interesting person I've ever met, which is why I married her. But specifically with regards to sleep. Her sleep is so interesting. So today is her first day back with students. Uh, She's a teacher. And... She has students. She wakes up at 6.00 and gets in the car and drives like 45 minutes to school. Sucks. She wakes up, she makes coffee, she rolls. That's her whole thing. Yeah. But so during, while school is in, during the week, she wakes up at 6 o'clock and goes to bed at like 10, 30, 11. Right? Yeah. And then on the weekends... She's like hanging out with me till three or four in the morning. Yeah, it's crazy. And waking up at one p.m. or two p.m. Like, and she can just shift back and forth like that with no consequences. That's awesome. Whatsoever. I don't. And like during the whole summer, she was like sleeping my schedule. Just like she was just like, yeah, let's just sleep the Daniel schedule. I don't understand her because she can just bounce back between sleep schedules like. Having like control over sleep is like a superpower. Like if I, you, <laughs> she can go to sleep. She can just be asleep whenever she wants, and then, as long as she gets the right hour number of hours of sleep, just kill it the next day. Yep, it's amazing. It's shocking. It is shocking. I definitely stay up too late, and I wake up too late, and that. But I've started forgiving myself, like years ago. I feel like you don't <laughs> so, wake up too late, so you're fine. Yeah, I know. I I struggle getting out of bed at that. Well, I definitely am out of bed by nine, no matter what. That's late for me. Yeah. But, um, but I go to bed. It's easy for me to stay up. I have to force myself to go to sleep at like midnight or twelve thirty or something. That's like hard to to do. But uh, yeah, I, I make my own food. I have all these like gastro problems, so I make like eggs and bacon and potatoes for breakfast. That's something I didn't do as much at Titan because of time. Now I Mm -hmm. I make me and Hannah eggs and bacon, whatever. I usually eat like rice and tuna, like tuna from a can and like instant rice for lunch. (laughs) And I make chicken thighs and potatoes and carrots and other vegetables for dinner. This is pretty much like the everyday routine. Um, Yeah. And then something happens. There's always a family party, a family dinner, some something. There's always an event every single day. And then when we get home from that event, we usually like watch a show or two, conk out. You actually have an event every single day? Yeah, pretty family? much. Absolutely. Almost every single day. Wow. Today is a surprise birthday party that I'm biking to in an hour for a friend of Hannah. We have two massive families like and huge like extended families and friend groups and everything. So, like, And they're in town. Yeah. Sunday's like yeah. our church for the unchurched. Monday's our church for the church, home church. Tuesday is depends. Wednesday's family dinner. Sunday's family dinner. Uh yeah. There's something every day. So it's uh it's that. Alright, that's my day. Um dun, 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 dun. Uh, are you actively working on any side projects? Um Am I actively no. working on any main projects? <laughs> Is the question this for me. is this is my only side project right now yeah uh with, with the exception of like non-internet ones you know mm-hmm. like i'm right now starting like a book study with some friends 
I'm, you know, Sweet. like just yeah, all yeah, the little that type side of deal. projects. Right. Yep. But not for you greedy greedy piggies of the internet who want to slurp up all of the all of the products of our labor. No, just this. This is all you get. That's right. Yeah. I got Livewire. I work on that a lot. I work on I'm working on Livewire Fiddle is actually my side project at the moment. It's like in secret, but this is a side project. I don't know. All I do is side projects and pair with people like mentoring and code audits. That's what I do. Um, all right. And then other side projects like, like you like book club type thing. Yeah. Same thing. A bunch of those, a bunch of those. Um, does the lack of real line padding in VS code frustrate you? I don't even know what that means. Me neither. Yeah. Seems fine to me. Seems fine to me. Yeah. <laughs> Alert quote, us in uh, Twitter Westworld. what you mean. Yeah. To quote Westworld, uh, Looks like nothing to me. <laughs> Don't know it. Make America great again. Did Trump achieve it? I am joking. You two are just awesome. I don't have a question. Trump achieved it, no doubt. Get lost. <laughs> have you considered living somewhere in Europe? Says Andre. Yes. Yeah? I've never been to Europe, though, so I have to visit Europe first. I've strongly considered living in South America and Asia, though. You would know. You would know. Uh, Medellin, Colombia is like a tech hub now. All that cocaine money turned into VC money pretty quick. And the time zones would be on point with U.S. tech. So That's what I'm saying. That's and the what's up. Living expenses would be low. Low, low, low. Um, that's cool. Have I considered living in Europe? No. <laughs> Would you visit Bulgaria? If yes, DM me for beers. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Andre. Uh, I totally would visit Bulgaria. I don't even know where Bulgaria is. Is that like the Eastern, Middle East? Eastern Europe. Yeah. So it's, it's going to go ahead and be your classic former USSR. Okay. Gotcha. It's over that way. Interesting. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'll... I'm sure I'll be that way at some point when I... Bulgaria. I don't know. Bulgaria. Hey, guys. My question is for you, Caleb. It must have taken a lot of courage to quit your job at Titan... Do you see yourself ever going back to working for someone else again, or are you working towards remaining a free agent? Livewire is definitely a great start. Thank you for everything both you and D. Cole do. Constantine. Thank you, Constantine. Um, do I ever see myself going back to working for someone else again? If I have a baby and I am going to be poor for having that baby, um, I'm going to go get a job. But I don't know, man. I think I'm in this for the long haul. <laughs> I think I am. I'd rather start uh, an agency or something before I work for someone else again, I'm going to be honest. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I don't see myself going back to working for someone else full time. I do not. Um, I would try really hard not to do that in life, period. Um, Do you have difficulty explaining? Well, you can answer a version of that question. Do you ever see yourself not being employed full time, D. Cole? Yes. (gasps) I have always seen that. Yeah. Um, I've honestly been like trying to figure out how to do it for like three jobs in a row now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know when it'll happen. I mean, I told Dan and Matt when they hired me, I was like, eventually I'm going to go leave and start my own thing. I don't know when that'll be, but I basically made a deal with myself and the universe that like, I'm not going to get, I'm not just going to keep getting jobs. Yeah. Cause it's so easy to just keep getting jobs. Um, 
So yeah, I don't know when the time will be, but at some point I got to start my own thing. Yep. All right, if anybody's looking to start something with Decol, hit them up. Send me your bags of money. <laughs> do you have difficulty explaining what you do is a real Do you have difficulty explaining that what you do is a real job to your wife's, especially when they've seen you work from home in your PJs or worse, less? David Peace. <laughs> Gotta love David Peace. What do you mean worse? Or worse. I've worked for my underwear a couple times this month, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, but that's is that worse than right. PJ? It's for arguably your wife? better. Right. For your wife? Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh there have been times where uh she seems to have assumed that I was free to do something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's funny but that has i think tapered off as it has become clear that i am not just chilling yep um but yeah hannah's dad basically worked remotely his whole life he's a missionary sort of Uh Um, uh-huh you're familiar with that game being in there and working yeah so that yeah exactly so it's very she and she herself she's a photographer she works from home she's right now on a laptop somewhere in the other room um so we both do it there's zero convincing that what i do is real she i should i should like put in a clip of her i recently recorded her explaining oh something really fun some fun laravel thing to the camera it's like tell the camera what whatever it was like what vue.js is or something it's very funny um yeah but she she makes an effort to listen about my job and about like she knows who most people in the laravel community are because i talk about them yep i i don't talk about most people in the laravel community to charlotte but she knows who the big ones are yeah she knows who taylor is because he's i've got a sticker of his face on my laptop my long lost great uncle lynn knows who taylor is Really? <laughs> I don't have a long lost great uncle. Uh, it'd be cool if you did. Hannah does. Um, but, uh, she knows who Taylor is. She knows who like uh, the some of the people I work with are. Uh, she knows who like Adam is. Uh, but she's not like. She's not plugged in. I don't sit her down and run her through the Laricon speaker lineup. Gotcha. (laughs) Hannah knows most of the people that like spoke at Laricon, like just because I talk about things. Um, Yep. And I with her, it's really funny. We we do like. There's so much overlap. She there's people in the photography community. Specifically, her style of photography is like the equivalent of Laravel. Um, Mm -hmm. in photography and there's like this tight knit and there's group and there's like people like way at the top who write courses and books and there's conferences and there's podcasts and there's the whole thing except it's uh facebook and instagram and not twitter but um yeah so she she totally gets it is she yeah yeah she might we were actually talking about her doing some vlogging um but i guess that makes more sense it's visual she's super plugged into the Disney, so it's like half photography, half Disney. She's like mm-hmm. super plugged into the like hardcore Disney elite. Um, yeah, so she like listens to all those podcasts and like sees them 
and stuff and there's famous people and they you know it's cool um it's cool so it's nice to have that overlap question next one if you could be a dinosaur in the modern world which one would you be and why well the only dinosaur in the modern world is a bird right wouldn't that be if you could be a dinosaur not from the modern world but in the modern world oh okay an old school dinosaur in a new school land i see I, I'm not, no, I'd be a pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. Yep. You see that oatmeal yeah. comic, the pterodactyl oatmeal comic. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, just I bought the oatmeal new book. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's called Why uh, My Cat's More Impressive Than Your Baby. That's the guy who made uh, Exploding Kittens too, right? The game. Yeah, yeah. I, I own both of those. Nice. Um. The uh yeah, pterodactyl is obviously the best dinosaur for the modern world because uh, you get to skip traffic. Totally good call. Yeah, I was gonna pick the what's the one like um with the long neck. Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus yeah. Well, no, Brontosaurus is actually a made-up dinosaur. It was compiled from the bones of several other dinosaurs. Okay. The Apatosaurus is the real one. All right. I want to be that. I want to be the super huge one with the huge neck who's a vegetarian and who's really wise and old from land before time. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a brontosaurus. That's not a real dinosaur. You can't be that one. Well, I'll be that one. (laughs) Okay. If you could no longer code slash develop, say you cut your hand real bad and couldn't type anymore, looking at you, Caleb, what would you do instead that has nothing to do with development or coding? Says David Peace again. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'd be pretty good at selling real estate. <laughs> Why is that, D. Cole? Why? I just, I'm, people like me. True. Uh, I feel like I'm pretty good at, like, sussing out what people want out of something. Mm. So, like, I feel like I could have, like, two conversations with, like, a nice couple and understand what kind of house they're trying to buy pretty quickly. Yeah. You know? And you know a ton about, like, real estate type stuff. Not really. Yeah, you do. I know. You're always talking about locations and stuff. I've bought one house. You're passionate about living quarters and places to live. Uh, I'm passionate about all quarters. Hind quarters, living quarters. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I cannot lie. Makes sense. Uh, I will pick, um, musician. I want to be, uh, the passion pit guy or the owl city guy. I want to mm-hmm. like hold up in my office and make electronic music, um, or bony bear. That's... I'll go to a cabin. You ever watch, uh, you know, dead mouse streams on Twitch? Yes. Have you ever watched him stream on Twitch? I think so. It's awesome. I, he yeah, just hangs out. Yeah, I don't know where I saw that. I think maybe I watched a recording Did you see of the him. One video where he accidentally made Sandstorm. Maybe, maybe that's what I saw. I think I saw some just YouTube video. Google that was Dead like, Mouse Sandstorm. Yeah, and it's just a clip from his Twitch of him accidentally making Sandstorm and just cracking up. I I watched one where someone like submitted a sample to him, and uh-huh. he heard it, and he's like, "Oh man, this is dope." And then oh, he like yeah, reworked yeah. it and it was, oh, it was, um, what's the, the, the world that the children made here to, the uh, svelte or velt, the velt. 
is uh-huh. the dead mouse song and uh yeah so it's somebody like submitting to him that sample while he's live streaming and he hears nice. it and you just watch him hear it and he's like oh Ooh. boy and then he ma- it's yeah. my favorite song by him and one of my favorite songs period excellent sweet that is cool that's sweet um yeah so i would definitely do music of some sort yeah yeah i don't know i do tons of stuff there's graphic design videography all the things i would just love to do all the things construction woodworking you name it yeah all those things would be great what's the most annoying thing about being a programmer i'm gonna say neck pain for me Uh, hands down hate it get it all the time i'm gonna say uh the fact that if you're tired you can't really force your brain to be smarter (laughs) Whereas, like, in a more physical job, like, you can just force yourself to work harder. Yeah, right. Give it it that extra push, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's true. So, like, you really have to care about the other aspects of your life to keep your brain in a state where you can program. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. That's annoying. That is annoying. I don't want to have to think about the other parts of my life. There's a whole section of things that are just annoying about having to do work that you don't want to do yeah but that's sort of that's not relevant do you see livewire ever being integrated into the official laravel package no i do not me neither i did not see that nope um would it be cool sure it would be cool but would it be a good idea probably not no i wouldn't recommend it (laughs) nope i'm gonna say no how do you combat stag i could see inertia being in the official package yeah but i think I don't know what Taylor's plans are, but he's like he's going to put JavaScript in there. There's, I mean, he's flirted with stuff like this, you know, JavaScript integrations. Yeah. I could see yeah. him having some nice onboarding flow for inertia and for LiveWire, for that matter. Yeah, a front end preset. Front end preset for sure. Yeah, front end preset. I mean, that should just we should just do that anyway. In a year, when they're both like solid. Um, but um, how do you combat stagnation in your skills or career? cocaine tons as much as i can afford <laughs> if, um, that's what that uh stipend that health stipend's for yeah that's that that uh wellness stipend, wellness that's stipend what they call yeah. it. i feel well yeah i feel real well um for a period of time mm-hmm. swellness swellness stipend um i don't know i uh mostly fear i guess that's how I deal with it. Good. I yep. confront it with fear. Good. Love it. Yep. Um, confronting stagnation. I don't know if I have a good answer, but one kind of answer, like a Titan, pretty much any time that I, I recognize when I'm stale yep. and I know that, and my brain wants to just keep going and does not want mm-hmm. to shake it up and challenge myself. And I have experienced this more in a job scenario than now. But in work scenarios, I definitely, whether it's switching projects or switching jobs themselves, um, there is that sort of, that is imposter. That's a form of imposter syndrome is being like, I'm doing fine where I am right now. And if I switch over to something, like I'm the guy who knows everything about this. Like when I switch over to the next thing, I'm not going to be that guy and it's going to be a new set of challenges and it's going to be worse in some ways. And, but it's always, always worked out and you very quickly acclimate and the challenge is good for you. And I know that about myself. So I just always tell myself, like, so are you 
saying you're going to become a React developer now? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Vue.js is over. Time for Caleb Forcio, React developer. Yeah. That's it, T. Cole. You, hey, when are you going to support React components in uh, in Livewire? I don't know if it even works that way. Vue's much more like suitable for something like that. React is is less like uh, isn't it used less kind of like sprinkled in? Like Vue is used can be used sprinkled in. You can sprinkle it in all the time. Yeah, I don't sprinkle know. it in as much as you'd like. Eh, React. I don't know. Yeah. Nah. Hey, you know what's a side note about Vue? Uh, Logan and I were just talking about this. You know what's incredibly dumb about Vue? Tell me. Having to watch your props. When do you prop watch? Like, if you are doing something with a prop that's passed into your thing. Yeah. Right? Like, say I pass a prop in, and then, like, based on the value of that prop, I'm calculating a piece of data. Yeah. Right? Or, like... Say I like wanted to make like a computer property. That'd be great if I could just throw a prop into it. You can, D. Cole. <laughs> no, no, no. There's sometimes when you can and there's sometimes when you can't. I can't exactly remember what the situation is. The only is, situations that you need one. watchers are when you're triggering like an action. That's not true. I recently ran into a situation where I wanted to change a piece of data based on another piece of data changing that was a prop was being passed in and, and maybe it was a deeply property. nested object it used to be that like anything over one layer of nesting like if you passed in an object because it's passed by reference if you were trying to change something nested inside of an object it wouldn't you wouldn't have reactivity like i don't know but there's that section that view docs be, that's I'm, like I reactivity caveats i might have been depending on something that was not that was nested yeah i don't know yeah. it's pretty freaking good like that's it's pretty rare that you have to like deal with the reactivity caveats now like it's gotten better yeah never have to deal with that in react because it just re-renders everything every time no because it, there's, you don't use computer properties right you don't because you don't use watchers you don't update anything from anything you just you just use the data that's passed in for the prop yeah, I mean, that's... If you're not using a computed property, how are you making a computation on that? You're just having a method that you pass it into? A method. Right. Yeah. So there's, like, view caches its computed properties. Right. So there's, like, a caching layer. Like, React uh -huh. wouldn't do that. React in that way, in the microscopic level, like, React, I would think, is less performant than Vue because it's just dumb and just and dumb in a good way. And it just, like, re-renders the whole component asks no questions where view is like intelligent i'm not sure that that's true i think unless something has changed that is required by the render method it doesn't but yes i know what you're saying yeah that is a thing though like computed properties yeah. with dependencies they're cached in view uh -huh. um and that's like no i get it watchers to me are just really bad that's the thing yeah that bothers and i'm me. saying i rarely have to write watchers rarely into one the other day i could look it off what the context was but now it, it super annoyed me all right d cole the next question is i've got it <laughs> that's it i don't know huh. the question after that is um have you guys figured out how sessions work yet 
Yes. We're back again. I think we're out of questions. Give me one more. Give me one more that's like a hot, hot question. Uh, We're in an hour and 31 minutes. Are we not going to go through these or do them another time or what? Let's do rapid fire. Just super rapid fire. How many we got left? All right. Hit me. Hit me. Do you pair intercompany, like intercompany, like multiple companies? And if yes, how do you handle the red tape NDA? Cheers, Tonko. Not really. Yeah. And the pairing I do intercompany is client work and I sign NDAs. So. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I pair with clients. Yep. But as far as pairing, like, I mean, I pair with buddies on stuff and it's just like me and a buddy and it's sort of this understood thing like, don't yeah. share any of this or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. I do pair with Max quite often. I, I'm like kind of in his code base, like with him sometimes. And yeah. Nice. This question is for Caleb. Really loving liveware. Thank you. Only thing is that I'm using Craft CMS and it's based on Yee. Do you envision a point where liveware will be available for other PHP platforms besides Laravel? I would contribute for this to happen. Thank you. Um, not sure. Uh, Symphony would be the first one to do if it was done. And I've been told that I would conquer the world if I implemented it with Symphony because it's way more popular than Laravel in Europe. So I don't know. Um, seems like something that's not in the cards for a while. I want to get basically the core and cater to this very specific use case and make it really good and really solid. And then we can think about other things. So I have zero what Laravel specific plans. features do you use? Oh, um, nothing Laravel specific do I need to use, but the code base relies on Laravel utilities for sure. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I could, there's nothing Laravel specific i could it wouldn't be that hard to rewrite it in something else you could rewrite it in node probably you totally could yeah um how do laravel sessions work (laughs) jason begs nice he gives yeah he gives like those like smirk face that's funny all right what does your normal day-to-day look like sunrise to sunset we We already did that uh what is your thought process when you're that's jace by the way shout out to jace what is your thought process when you're building a new application or package routes file tests yeah mine is uh what's like the actual thing write the readme first yeah it's like don't just start writing code for me it's like think about the actual thing i'm trying to do release myself from the thought that i'm building a new app i have to make auth and there has to be a dashboard you know like none of that like think about the problem yagni mvp all that stuff Yagni. What is your definition of multi-tenancy? Oh boy. Next episode we nope. should just call it multi-tenancy. Skip. Um I will say that there's all this hubbub and honestly I think Ta- I don't agree with Taylor. He's probably right, but he's like I feel like Laravel doesn't address multi-tenancy as I understand it and I I know it's annoying for people with multi-tenant applications to have to everybody's rolling their own thing. I've seen a ton of multi-tenant applications with all this code auditing and mentoring I've been doing. And everybody's doing it a little bit different way. And it would be great if the gods of Laravel, if we all just like figured out by we, and I'm not including myself in the gods, honestly. Um, But it would be great if if the gods figured out the best way to handle multi-tenancy and Laravel offered. Didn't Tom Schlick already figure it out and everyone can just do what he he wants to do? I don't know. He was the multi-tenancy guy, but like Laravel, I think should offer some, there should be, there should be a page in the docs called multi-tenancy and it should tell you the very common strategy that people use that is a main host database and then 
sit child databases, like tenant databases for different companies. And they're running on separate servers and show you how to run migrations for those separate things, how to switch on configuration for different tenants, um, how to handle different domain handling. That should happen. Laravel should do that. I think Taylor's wrong for yelling at everybody about it. I said it. There you go. There you go. It's funny that like he's saying, and I believe him, that multi-tenancy is actually just like all apps are multi-tenant. Like single tenancy is what people are talking about database per customer i i think when everybody says multi we all know what we mean by multi-tenancy i don't know why we're fighting about this um could you talk about some projects that you've built that have never seen the light of day uh natural oh yeah your resources thing right yep i stopped caring (laughs) um that's the big one hmm I've got tons. I've got tons of dead dead projects, but that was the one that I came closest to actually launching and then just shuddered instantly. Yeah. Um Credit Monk is a credit tracking app I made. Never saw the light of day. You had a whole uh alter ego that you killed. Yeah, the finance guy. Fancy finance man. Yeah, fancy finance man is dead. That's a whole side project that did see the you light started, of day. You but... started a blog. You started a podcast. Yeah, was... You did the whole thing. And then we're just like, never mind. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I remember a specific conversation I had with M. Stauff in a one-on-one because that was the era of that. And he said, so I was like asking questions like, how do I handle an alter ego? Like, how do I handle two things like if i have caleb porzio laravel developer and then caleb porzio like financial independence guy um yeah how do i do this do i keep it all under one and we talked a bunch about it i remember at one point him saying like like you know and this is great strategy like being being a, a laravel guy being like the finance guy for the laravel community you could probably speak at conferences about like financial things related to, you know it could be like your thing and i said right i said to him no I want code to be my thing. <laughs> yeah. I said, no. And he's, and I remember him, like it was kind of a, I, I, what he said was like, well, that's admirable. And I don't know if he meant it or not. If he was just like, well, yeah. you're an idiot, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but at the moment I'm like, no, I do not yeah. want to be the finance guy in Laravel. I want to be the Laravel guy in Laravel. I think you made the right choice. <laughs> I agree. You've, you've been killing it. Appreciate it, Decal. I just quit my job and have more time than everybody else. Um, could you talk about some projects that you've built that never seen the light of day? Did that? I we just did that. I know. If you, how, do you know a command that I could run? Like, if I ls, how do I get how many folders are in a directory? Ooh, I don't know. There's some. There's something that, like, if I ls, if I la. They're each in separate lines, and if there was like maybe grep or something that could tell me how many lines are in something if I pipe it through. Well, that would tell you how many folders and files are in a directory. I don't know. Anyway, but my my site's directory is like growing every day. It's absolutely massive. And I remember when it was like four. I remember seeing like somebody's like Jeffries or Matt's on a 
stream and thinking like, oh my gosh, they've started so many Laravel projects. Yeah. So I think I've made it because I have a zillion abandoned things. Um, yeah. Kind regards, Joe Rushton for the show. Oh, this is a separate one. Question for Caleb. Are you still hustling on your own, i.e. not in full-time employment? If so, what are you doing to make a sustainable income? And do you have any long-term plans? Will you ever go back to traditional employment? Kind regards, Joe Rushton for the shout out. Thank you, Joe Rushton. I'm still hustling on my own. I am not in full-time employment, right? Um, Do I make a sustainable income? I could, I think by now I could support Hannah and I. Yeah, but not in any great way. Hannah is a photographer. She makes like good money now. Um, So I do, I don't know. I work like a day and a half a week probably doing like actual stuff. It's, it turns out more than that because of all the context switching and emailing and invoicing and planning. But um, like yesterday I spent all day doing a code audit, like morning to like eight o'clock, 8 PM um, doing a code audit. And then like Tuesdays I do, like mentoring sessions that are usually like two hours and I just booked another one. Um, so I have like a handful of people that I pair with them every week about their application. We There's like ongoing things we're working on, problems we're addressing, and they'll just bring me like a big laundry list of things, questions they have that they hit during the week and we'll hammer out stuff. So I don't know. That's what I do for money. Um, I would love to make that less and make... And this, this is also money now. This is big money. <laughs> this is big money. Huge money. I mean, at two thousand dollars an episode, this this twenty five thousand dollars an episode, right? Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that that answers it. I, I think I think my actual income, if I extrapolate it for an entire year, I would be making like sixty thousand dollars for maybe between fifty and sixty thousand uh, right now. So it's less than I've made in a long time, but uh, I'm happier than I've been in a long time. So there's that. Nice. Um, who's the most experienced devs between you two? I think probably, depends, uh, depends on what we're experienced with. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you I probably I feel like we've been writing code for the same amount of time. Right. We've been writing code I for the same a, amount of time. Careers journey into, into WordPress land. And I know I did a lot of like front end. So like you probably started PHP long before I did. Like, you started, like, writing object-oriented PHP before I did? I didn't start writing object-oriented PHP until, like, I don't know. I got into Laracast, then I started writing it. I don't know. Word. I wrote a lot of functions for a long time. Yeah. Um, we're the same. We're the same. Uh, were you nervous about offending Evan Yu at Aricon when slightly taking shots at Vue? <laughs> I was totally unaware that I was doing this. So many people have said that. This is funny. This like last Laracon after I got off stage, everybody was like, you know, but what about why not just get rid of you? It's like, you know, there was this gaping hole in my talk that yeah, everybody yeah. saw and I didn't see and everybody like, you know, came up to me about it. The thing this year that not as many people, but a lot of people were like, dude, and like, what if Evan Yu is in the audience? Did you know if Evan Yu is in the audience? Like, what did he think? And I think we've talked about this before, but Evan Yu, he is like disconnected from Laravel. Like he comes to the conference. I've never seen him in a conference talk. Maybe I saw him in one conference talk like three or four years ago. Um, but I don't know. This is, I guess my answer would be, I didn't actually mean to take shots at Vue. I think Vue is a perfect... I don't think you were, except that you hate Ajax. I hate Ajax. 
I love, I do love Vue. Like, I think Vue is brilliant. I think Evan Yu is brilliant. I think he made a tool that, like, on the, the caliber of, of Taylor, like, of being able to anticipate taking something that's hard and making it, like, intuitive and super easy for a bunch of people. I think he's a genius. Um, I think Vue is great. I actually write a decent amount of Vue, but you know where I stand these days. Blade is objectively greater than Vue. So, um <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to take, uh, so you know how everyone talks about how like Laravel's bad because it like hides complexity and it's all magic and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That's not true, but it is true of you. I know that's your position. G. Cole. I agree. I know. I mean, it's a different style. Yeah. Similar to but, Laravel. But it's, di- no, that's what I'm saying. It's not similar to Laravel because Laravel is dependency injected and there's facades and there's everything's nice and isolated where you can swap things out if you want to and you can really get in there and like change the way it works if you need to do that view no way no how you can write laravel like a symphony developer and you can write view like a react developer right but that's not what we're talking about i think it is no we're not if if you need to change the way that uh, dependency or that uh, prop watching works in Vue, you can't do that. If you yeah, need right. to change the yes. way that, right? But if you need to change the way that, like, uh, I don't know, uh, request validation works, you can do that in Laravel. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess I don't know. Like you have access to the request, you know, you have access to the raw pieces of the thing, and yeah, just because do, there is magic doesn't mean that you know. You don't mess around with money real. sign underscore get. You right. can, of course not, but you don't. Of course not. You use yeah. Laravel's request, which yeah. is Symphony's request. Right. I sure. I think that. I think there's definitely a strong similarity in that thing. I think there's that, a similarity, but like one I think is designed for you to tinker with, and the other is not. I think you're right in that. View, that that React like, very much feels like um, like uh, Legos or something. But well, view is just like you stay in user land, little kid. Yeah. Don't try and get too interesting here. Don't try and write any JavaScript or anything. I half agree with you, half don't. I know what you're saying, and I mostly agree with you. Yeah. 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 We'll just leave it at that, Decol. All mm-hmm. right, five more questions. Oh, so many. Just kidding. That's the end. Wow. That's yeah. It. That was a lot of questions. That was a lot of questions. I guess we have an active and engaged audience or something. Yeah, man. Thank you to everyone for submitting questions. That was a good time. Yeah, sorry if we forgot to shout you out individually because sometimes we forgot. No, not every. But. I think I I shouted out everybody who put their name. Oh, cool. Yeah, I just left it up to them nice. to throw it at the end if they wanted. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, that was a good time. We should do it. Uh, make it a regular thing. Yeah. See you in six months. Yeah. Once a week. Bada, bada, bada. Is that it? Is that just the wrap there, do you Cole? I think it's the rap, dude. I'm feeling it. Cue outro was... music now. Dude, single topic. Just gone right through all the questions. 
That's that's like rare for us. It's a move. <laughs> 